Let's go to Matthew 22. We're going to talk about tabernacles. First one? First one. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Okay. This, there's no question in, histo in history and historically and in, in the law that the marriage for his son is this Feast of Tabernacles. I mean, that's what every, every scholar since the beginning of time said about the scripture, okay? And sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And, then, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find be to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou thither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Okay, first of all, the outer darkness isn't like into Gehenna somewhere. Gehenna is not outer darkness. To the Jews of this time, outer darkness was only in the Gentile world, out in the world. That was, that was what outer darkness was. Outer darkness to the Jew was what we call light. I mean, Dallas was outer darkness. Yeah. Now, this cannot have any meaning to you unless you understand that you are the one here that has on the wrong garment. This parable is to you tonight. Listen. He said, the king came in to see the guest, and he saw there a man or a person which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. There is no power in this scripture unless you see that you're the one that has on the wrong garment. You understand that? If you think you have on the right garment, then read Revelation 18 talks about the whore of Babylon. Now what is the right garment? Let's go to Luke. No, Luke 14. Verse 15. Yeah, go ahead. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. He sent his servant at supper time to come to them that were bidden, saying, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them, I pray. Thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord all these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly 
into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them that come in, that my house be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Okay. And there went great multitudes That's, that's enough. Well, I read the next few verses. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and sister. And wife and children. Sister, children, brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation, it is not able to finish it. All that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first, and consult whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsake not all he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shalt thou be seasoned? Shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that hath ears, ears to hear, let him hear. This really, well, what we were just talking about, about not being married, you know, here he, he talks about the, the wedding supper, and then he said, you know, hate father, mother's wife, children, brother, sister. I mean, it's kind of. Do you understand that? It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, somebody that has a concordance in the back of their Bible, look up, you know, they that are counted worthy to enter into the kingdom are neither married nor are given in marriage. But the Feast of Tabernacles is the feast of the celebration of your heart and mind being in one accord with the Father. That it's time that you now we you are a member. You have lost the right to yourself, basically. There's no more salvation of the isolated self. You are the uh, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. The the you know the the idea of the individual activity within the body is now ludicrous. Can you imagine your kneecap worrying about a career plan? And it's just ludicrous. The only question is, are you a member of the body or not? Well, I promise you something. If you're not a member of this body, then go find one. You're a fool if you continue in aloneness. When all the evidence of the universe compels you to see that it's coming to an end. If this isn't the place to lay down your life once and for all time, then go find the place and let nothing in the universe prevent you from finding it. Let not there be sleep to your eyelids, nor lay down your head in sleep until you find the place, the dwelling of the Holy One of Israel. If this is the place, if this is the body, then by definition anything that has you as the subject of your sentence has to be left behind. It's the chaff.
This is these are the hardest sayings you'll ever hear. It costs you everything. To enter the Feast of Tabernacles costs you your life. It costs you your everything. Everything up till the Feast of Tabernacles has been practiced. God is waiting for a people to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, not to wait for it to be celebrated. Read some of the, you know, all oh, this is going to happen when you cross the river. Hallelujah, brother. This is going to happen someday in the future when, after the yo-yo theology, the rapture stuff is over and you jump around up and down and up and down for a while and then you finally do something and then he goes over there and he sets up a temple over there and then he does all this stuff and then finally, then we'll come the Feast of Tabernacles. That's a, that's a lie from the depths of hell. The question is, are you ready for the Feast of Tabernacles tonight? That's the only question. If you're not ready for the Feast of Tabernacles tonight, if there's something that is preventing you from losing the eye in your sentences, then at all costs, find it before the next eight days are up. Because I will, without excuse and without apology, my role as governor of the feast, if I see that you have on the wrong garment, I will challenge you on it. And you don't want to be challenged. So whatever is necessary, from your standpoint, there are only eight more days left of linear time. Whatever is necessary. There's only, there's only eight more de days left of nonlinear time. There's only eight more days left of time. When the mystery of God is completed, it's completed at tabernacles, time shall be no more. Go to Revelation 10. Another mighty, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth, <clears throat> and he cried, and cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. <clears throat> and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up, close up, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. They're about ready to be written. What the seven thunders uttered were the opening of the seven seals on the ark. And I promise you, when those seven seals are opened, no flesh better be around. <clears throat> and you, how are the seals opened? 
we've studied before in the past, they are opened when a body of people understands them. They are opened by your understanding of what is already finished. Then that which is above and that which are below are joined. And all power in heaven and earth is joined in that instant, in that flash. Now, and the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things that which are therein that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. The mystery of God is finished. The mystery of God is finished. Christ said it was finished 2,000 years. How long have you heard me yell at you that it's finished? How often do you believe it? Yeah, it's finished, but I just got to go over here a while. Yeah, it's finished, but I just got to go do this little thing over here, and I got to take care of that, and then it'll... That's all just a bunch of horse hockey. It's either finished or it's not finished. The Feast of Tabernacles is for a people who by their mind agree with the Father that it's finished. They assent with the Father that to be finished it is good. Remember the, then you compel them to come to the feast, whether they be bad or good. You go into the highways and the hedges. Those are the code words in ancient Judaism for the homeless. You compel them to come in. Go to Revelation 19. 19. Well, better, better yet, go back to Revelation 10. Let's read the rest of it. Verse 7 again. In, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. Do you understand what that means, what he just said there? It means that anyone who doesn't declare that it is finished can't be a prophet. I mean, by the, by the laws of grammar and, and translation... That has to be true. You understand that? By what it just says right there, unless someone, if someone is saying there's something left to do, by definition, he cannot be a prophet, no matter in whose name he's pre preaching yet. I challenge you to turn on your little televisions tonight and go to like channel 58 or go to the Inspiration channel or go to other Christian broadcasting and find out what they're saying about prophecy. All of them are saying there's something left to do. 
Therefore, it isn't finished. Therefore, they can't be prophets. Therefore, they can't be speaking the truth. Therefore, what are they doing? If they're not speaking the truth, they are denying the foundation. The ancient definition for denying the foundation is to blaspheme. They are blaspheming the name of God among the Gentiles. We're going to have some fun with them. Hmm? No, no, it's going to be far more fun. Pretty soon. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open, and the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. Can you imagine this conversation? Yeah, this imagine, here's this giant, shiny, beautiful person standing there on the land and on the sea. He's got this book. He's got hey, uh, hey, guy. Give me that book. Give me the little book. Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Why is the book bitter in the stomach? Hmm? Why is the book bitter? Go to Ezekiel 2. Is Ezekiel one of those ones that's in that thing? That made up? No, Ezekiel is a major, he's a major dude. Major dude. Major, major, major. Page, chapter 2. Verse, read, read, somebody else. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1. I'll read it. No, he's too anxious. Will you read it? Ezekiel sure. 2, chapter 1. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really want to read it. I didn't think you wanted to read it. And he said unto me, Son of man, stand upon thy feet, and I will speak unto thee. And the Spirit entered into me when he spake unto me, and set me upon my feet, that I heard him that spake unto me. And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. Okay, remember what it said back here. It said, he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Okay? You know what? For they are impudent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, <coughs> For they are a rebellion. Wait, wait, wait. I think you mentioned it right after all. Matt, would you like to finish? Yeah, sure. And they, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious. Next. But there has been a prophet among them. Now. You can see why Rick, Rick had such a hard time with that verse. Mm. Uh, they are a rebellious prophet among them. 
And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee, and thou dost dwell among scorpions. Be not afraid of their words, nor, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. You, you got an idea that they're rebellious? Yeah. yeah. But thou, Who's so, the day? That's uh, so probably. <laughs> There's never any. They never ever say anything nice about us in here, so I just assume it's about us. <laughs> they say a lot of nice stuff about Christ if he's your life. Yeah, so you yeah. know it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank Christ, that's for sure. But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth, and eat that I give thee. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me, and lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Okay. So that's why it was bitter. In well, hear me. But it's sweet because it's, it's revelation. It's sweet. It tastes the sweet. But, it, to, but the, it's bitter to the appetite, to the stomach, to the, the, flesh. the flesh. But continue reading. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then I did eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go, get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. Okay, that's enough. The thing that happened, remember, remember all the stuff that happened to Ezekiel? I mean, he he ate this roll. The roll is the Torah, the law. Remember the other parts where they look and they see the roll flying, the Torah, the scroll flying through the air. Remember that, and Zechariah. And it's the it's the thing that everybody in the universe is trying to avoid because if they it's that scroll is judgment. You hate judgment with a passion. But the law is sweet to, your, to the taste because it's like if you can cause someone to see it, to hear really that if you break through the wall of the flesh for a minute, there's sweet private revelation. There's something real. Something like you, can, you say, I knew that all my life. But then you get, it gets to the belly and it's bitter. Why? Judgment. Well, it's judgment, but it, it, doesn't it, it doesn't satisfy the flesh. It doesn't pertain to the flesh. Now, what happened with Ezekiel, Ezekiel had been a priest. He was, you know, he was, nobody knows exactly, but he was, you know, only probably in his 40s when, and he'd been a priest and well-versed. And all of a sudden he's taken hither and on, and he's forced to do this whole stuff. He's forced to lay it aside and eat his own dung. And then he 
still he has to go and they keep his he has to go and keep be silent for for days and days and days and not say a word why i mean so he could get out of his system ever saying there's so how can i say it so the things that he had experienced with god were never in his talk you know what i mean he it was all pure there wasn't any of him well this is what god showed me it was it was he was taken down and and he was ground to a point where there was no capacity left in him for him to say this is what god showed me in other words it's the highest revelation without any of him you understand that yeah. mm -hmm. oh i really learned something i saw something from this or i learned something from that do you sense that that becomes odious yeah, this is like the sign of a false prophet. There's, there's one of the no, that's the sign of a prophet that hadn't been tested yet. Should go back to kindergarten. The TV evangelist that's all you hear is the, the eye mixed in with it. Well, so do you understand why then? The, the, well, let's go to Revelation 19. I don't know why we're in Revelation so much. Are you okay? Yes, sir. What? I, I just felt weird vibes from you. Noxious. You must not be okay. You call him sir. Noxious humors. Everybody at Revelation 19? Yeah, that's what it is. He's quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. That's really scary. <laughs> kindergarten. You must be fun. I was thinking of uh, my. Well, the weird, weird vibe I'm probably was thinking of a close partner of mine who says, that, you know, God showed me this, and I, I, I said, he showed me this. It just keeps ringing in my head how that bothers me. I never knew why it bothered me so much. Yeah, that always used to bug me, too, and people would say that. And people would, like, turn it apart. Bothers, yeah. Mm. Bothers me to no end, but I never knew why, but now I know. Remember that, that great cliché? Anytime you hear of a man speak of his love for God, it's a sure sign he expects to be paid for it. <laughs> Truth. Everybody find Revelation 19? That's right up there with the one I, in the language of mine, the one I made. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Now, where's heaven? You understand? Where's heaven? After these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments. This thing about judging and the judgments of God is, it's been so apparent, so obvious. What does it mean to judge with? What's it mean that his his judgments are righteous? True and righteous are his judgments. Only. Huh? Only his judgments are righteous. As opposed to my opinions. <laughs> Doesn't leave a lot of room for opinions. But the only righteous judgment is the one that agrees with him. With mm. the last statements, the only that the only righteous judgment is it's finished. 
Is that what it means here? I mean, that it's finished. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see in a minute. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Now, who is this great whore? It's corrupted the whole earth. The great whore is religion of any kind. Because religion, by definition, teaches cause and effect. And cause and effect is the instrument of deception of the great whore. If you do this, this will happen. If you don't do that, this won't happen. Cause and effect. Can you hear it? Cause and effect is the means of deception of the great whore. It's the only thing that's common to all peoples and all languages. It's the only way the whore could have corrupted all of the nations and all of the peoples of the earth. Go back to 17, Revelation 17 a minute. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come here, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. If you read, read throughout the book of Revelation, it says over and over and over, Come here, and I will show. Come here and see. All of, the, all of it started with the ear. He had to hear the word, come here. And then he had, what he heard is what he saw. I challenge you to conduct your life normally, under normal conditions, once you know that the whore of Babylon, her power is based on cause and effect. Unless you've seared your conscience with a hot iron, you cannot hardly exist. Because everything you do is cause and effect. Even down to things like you work, you're paid for. Okay, watch. Come here, I will show unto you the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The wine of her fornication, it's the same as Ephraim's wine, is the wine of self-seeking. The goal of the whore is self-seeking. The power of the whore is cause and effect. You understand? That's the only thing that all of the nations of the earth have been corrupted in. And cause and effect is necessary because of the fall. I.e., since the land is cursed, I believe I am separate, therefore I have to take action to get back and it has to be the right kind of action, so therefore cause and effect is invented. Cause and effect is the only natural, logical outcome of the fall. If you were separate, if you weren't separate from life, if you weren't separate from God, if you didn't believe you were separate from God, what power would cause and effect have on you? None. Am 
I communicating at all? Yeah. Do you understand that then that the Feast of Tabernacles cannot have anyone that is there on the basis of cause and effect? You, it's not that you have to be totally gone from it, but it has to be that you agree with God that cause and effect is evil. If you can see that, then I promise you it will be impossible for you to hold a grudge against a brother. It will be impossible for you to have, on the, to have your, own, your, own, your own rightness. It will obviate it all. Okay, back to Revelation 19. For true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. <clears throat> and again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen and Hallelujah. And who are the four and twenty elders? So there are twenty-four courses of priests in the priesthood. So there are the that's the offices of the body of Christ. Are the understand? They're the spiritually the leaders of the offices of the body. Now, who said well, there's not twenty? Yes, there are. How do you? Well, you read the Talmud, you'll find out the exact description of the offices in the temple, and that's the picture of the offices of the body of Christ. And that's why the your high place activity is a counterfeit. Each you individually, your high place activity is a counterfeit of your office in the body. That's why the high place, we have to cast down imaginations and every high place that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That isn't over in communist China, that's in your head. All right. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings. Now the mighty thunderings are now being audible. The seven thunders we just heard about. Saying, this isn't what the thunder, well anyway, don't worry about it. Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. That's the only garment he can have on. And the only garment, that the, 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 it's defined many, many other places, the garment, that garment is the righteousness of Christ. Only, you're no longer concerned with you being right. But can, can, can I only have hope that I have on the right one? Yeah, the, the, the hope is, the, hope, the only way you can know that you have on the right garment is if he can challenge you, the king of the feast can come and say unto you, challenge you, and you can say, my garment is the righteousness of Christ. The only way you can know that you have on the right garment is you're afraid of no man on the face of the earth. Yeah, because he, he was convinced. He, he couldn't believe something like that could be happening. Okay, watch. 
And he said unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant. And of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now let's go over to verse 21. I mean chapter 21, I'm sorry. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had, were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's what, how could that have happened? Bride, we, it's like, the, the, remember what we studied at Yom Kippur, that the, the heavenly matrona and the earth become one, that's what happens. That's what happens when the blood of the sacrifice hits the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And that's what happens when you know that you are forgiven down to the depths of your toes. You know you are forgiven when there is not one thing that you can regret. If you regret one thing in the universe... And you're not, you don't know, you do not yet know you're forgiven. That's amazing. It's a simple test. And that's the test of where your mind is tricking you. What do you regret? Anyway. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I will make all I make all things new. And he said unto me, Right, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done, it is finished. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. 
I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name. And it shall remain in the midst of his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof. Okay. A flying scroll, says, is the curse. What is the curse that go? What is on the scroll? It's flying. It's going into every house of him that stealeth. And every house of him that sweareth. That's it's not that doesn't mean don't say goddamn. It means every house that sweareth, I shall do this. The law. That's right. The curse is the law. Now, we've begun to see a new definition of stealing and thievery. If, if I, you, you were... Oh, stealing somebody else's is yeah. money or creditors. Yeah. Well, that's stealing. Thievery. Thievery, robbery. It has, it has a great meaning to Harry and some others because they've been busted lately. But if you... If you take credit or get glory or get identity from something that you read or watch that someone else is doing, then you're a rob you're 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 a robber. You're gaining your sustenance at the expense of someone else. You're gaining su your sustenance and joy at something that is not legally yours. Even if it's as innocent as spectator sports. If you're gaining glory from watching some idiot man in large, very large steroid guys running around throwing pigskin around, you are gaining, it's illegal. It's, it's robbery because you're gaining pleasure and enjoyment from the, from the results of someone else. I see like in terms of reading something and talking about something you read. Yeah. But look around you. That's all the world does is gain enjoyment and pleasure illegally. Do you know that in ancient Israel there were no there was no spectator sports. There was no drama. So that's all it I mean like going to see movies or That's all it is. It's thievery, it's robbery. It's gaining sustenance from something that isn't legally yours. Now, the curse is going throughout the land. It's going into the house, into the temple. And what does it say? It will bring forth, saith the Lord of hosts, and it shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name. And it shall remain in the midst of his house, and shall consume it with the timber thereof, and the stones thereof. That's not talking, it's, this is, this is a, this isn't, like he's not going to go down over cross street and go up there and get Gene's house. It's the word for house and temple are the same. The stones and the timbers are words that mean there it's going to destroy the foundation and the and the support. You understand? That's what the curse is doing in you as the building, in you as the temple. The curse is flying through, and as you see, my God, I I didn't know what it meant not to steal. But now that I know what it means not to steal, it's destroying the very foundation upon which I have life. Now a new thing can spring forth. I can have life only by 
the Holy One of Israel, the resurrection. Anything else is robbery. Do you understand how evil it is to gain sustenance and joy from your children? It's, it's baby eating. Baby flesh eating. Oh, look, isn't she cute? Let's take pictures of her. And then you can sit around for the rest of your life as you die and wither and grow old and say, Oh, here's my daughter. Here's my fucking my little boy. You're, you're gaining identity illegally. Oh, I read this book. Oh, I know this word. Oh, I've done this. Oh, I did that. You're gaining... It. It's all bullshit because it prevents you from knowing that all is vanity. And if you don't know that all is vanity, if you don't know that little hunk of protoplasm you call your kid is just as vain as you are, then you cannot know vanity and therefore you cannot know the resurrection. Is that clear? Oh, let's go, you know. The definition of vanity is Texas A&M being beaten by Tulsa. <laughs> Same well, just tape for my dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I went. We were up in we were up in Oklahoma. I mean they're going crazy up there. They beat Texas A&M. Who cares? The only one that cares is his dad. His dad probably committed suicide when he Tulsa. Did you call him the next day? I loved it because he drove down from Springfield, Missouri, to be at the game. <laughs> Well, let's get identity from from this music. Oh, isn't that a great song? Did you hear it? left and everything you can think everything else you can think about is gone yeah. otherwise you just put Christ's name on your little stupid idols <laughs> now the feast of tabernacles is a is a feast where no illegality is allowed where you can't gain sustenance from someone else's efforts. You can't gain sustenance from someone else's talents. And if you think you've gained sustenance from your own, then you're a fool. So what's left? The mystery. The mystery of God. The resurrection. Now, let's go back and read Matthew 22 once again. Read it with clarity. you know the rest then said he to his servants the wedding is ready but they which were bidden were not worthy 
Go you therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So the servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. Christ, so glad it says both bad and good, otherwise I'd have been left out. Let's just take in the good ones. Let's take in the good people. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. I, I sort of, I can't promise you, but I'll bet you a whole lot that the one that did not have on the wedding garment wasn't one of the bad ones. You know what I mean? It wasn't one that thought he was good or right. And he said unto him, Friend, how comest thou in here not having a wedding garment? He was speechless. He was surprised. He couldn't believe it. He never heard of such a thing. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Remember what it said in Revelation 19, The bride hath made herself ready. How has she done that? By seeing that everything else was vanity. You understand that? That's the only thing that the bride can do. The Holy Spirit does everything else. We saw in the Feast of Yom Kippur, all the people did was to see. Everything else was done for them. That's the mystery. Do you understand how bad you know, a Pharisee is one that says you must see and then you must do this? Do you know how bad God hates Pharisees? Almost as bad as he hates attorneys. God, I'm not too fond of attorneys. I... Pharisees are like spiritual attorneys. Anybody? Everybody understand perfectly? I'm, I'm exhausted. I have been going since. Okay. Take a big guy.